Hey, it's Gina Stevens. Welcome to Belois Radio, where we bring you digital marketing tips, expert interviews, and industry news for community media, community radio, and independent media. Visit our website at belwamedia.com. Thank you for joining us on Belwar Radio. My name is Gina Stevens. I'm your host. And joining me is Victor Arano. Did I get that correct? Sure, close enough. Victor is the project manager at Arizona Community Media Foundation. At least I did not watch Arizona Community Media Foundation. I always blame it on the fact that I'm a Southern girl living in Minnesota. Minnesota, see, living in Wisconsin. (laughs) And there's this whole hodgepodge of the southern accent, Wisconsin, and then my wife is from Minnesota, so I kind of pull in her Minnesota accent, my Wisconsin thing, and the whole Georgia thing. So there's this whole thing going on. But anyway, thanks for joining, uh, Victor. And I wanted you to join me to talk about um, Arizona Community Media Foundation. I was doing a bunch of research on the various community media uh, organizations across the country, and I want um, people who are listening who aren't familiar with community media, because there are a lot of people who listen who aren't, who aren't familiar with community media, to learn more about um, organizations, the organizations in uh, the community media space. So we're going to go ahead and get started. Can you tell me a little bit more about Arizona Community Media Foundation? Okay. Now, let's make it easy. Let's call it AZCMF. AZCMF. AZCMF, right. Okay. Or the foundation. The All Arizona right. Community Media Foundation is a mouthful. Well, yes, it is. We started about um, in about 2004 as a 501c3 nonprofit to try to develop uh, broadcasting opportunities for communities organizations, artists, and musicians who have been traditionally excluded from commercial and public radio. And that's been one of our missions, one of our goals uh, since that time. And we have sort of, we were trying to put a uh, an FM station on the air. Uh, we unfortunately, for a lot of reasons, which you can talk about, which is sort of a it might be a good guide for some people that are thinking about doing that. Uh, ran into a lot of trouble, but in the meantime, we developed our Internet service called Radio Phoenix, and we've been on the air for 10 years now. Okay. And ba- basically our goal is to, as I said, create broadcast opportunities, and our other goal is to train people to the point where after two or three years working with us, they can go out and hopefully get a job, a paying job in a, uh, in a broadcasting or media operation somewhere and uh, begin to earn a living in this field. Okay, so um, we wanna, we're going to talk about Radio Phoenix, but before we talk about Radio Phoenix, because I think that's great what you're doing, just a little bit more about AZCMF. So AZCMF, it's, it's the, the 
description I see on your website is it's a 501c3 nonprofit, correct? Um, That's right, yeah. And it says it was formed by concerned citizens to provide access to independent educational community-focused broadcast media outlets. So, um, and that you provide a voice for traditionally underrepresented groups and perspectives you that are typically unavailable with mainstream media. Can you, let's talk a little bit about that. Particularly, I want to talk about, um, you say, to those who are traditionally underrepresented um, and perspectives that are unavailable with mainstream media. Let's talk a little bit sure. about that. Sure, glad to do that. Well, let's just take a um, uh, of the situation, for example, of uh, African American uh, broadcasting. Now, there are not many, not many African American radio personalities. You get more in TV, actually. And outside of the major urban areas, in places like Phoenix and cities like Phoenix, there's almost no voice that reaches out to that African-American community. And the number of uh, black-owned stations has virtually disappeared. There are virtually no black-owned stations, radio stations in the United States anymore. And it's very difficult for African-American uh, radio hosts or people who want to be radio hosts to work with NPR or to work with the big uh, national chains because it just isn't a way for them to get in. So that's a kind of a group that's been traditionally excluded from the mainstream media. Uh, many Now the situation, of course, is different a little bit different from when we started many, many years ago. Women are more prominent, but even so, there are no... Uh, I think now there's one uh, woman-owned radio station in the United States, and we wanted to try to promote people's interest in radio and in broadcasting to try to develop that. Uh, the voices of, uh, of, uh, of disabled people the voices of up-and-coming artists and musicians who can never, ever get an opportunity to get into the mainstream. The uh, people just don't, uh, the, the, the homogenization and monopolization of the media network has really created major problems for up-and-coming artists, artists that are developing new ways of looking at music, uh, new ways of talking about music, new kinds of music to get in the door. And so we wanted to try to make opportunities for all of those people at least to get on the air through our programming. Now, Radio Phoenix, you mentioned that it was an Internet service. Can you explain right. that a little further, please? Sure. Uh, let me just give you a little background there. We had originally wanted to go uh, for an FM station because Phoenix is the largest city in the United States without a community radio station. It has no college stations here that are community-based. It has no uh, independent community stations. And through a long series, it took many, many years 
working with the with and against the FCC to try to get a license. Uh, we developed our internet radio service, which was going to be a proving or training, I should say, a training program for people to work in the FM station. And we set up in a, we're now in the basement of, a, of, a, uh, of an art center. I think there's some kind of a rule somewhere that all community stations have to start in the basement. <laughs> and when or they get closet. up, or a closet, oh, we, we went to the closet phase. We went to the closet phase at first, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but when we and the the other half of that rule is when you get to the first floor, you're too respectable and nobody wants to hang around with you anymore. <laughs> so I I think that so we're still in the basement because we want to be down there where the real people are. Uh, and so we de- we gradually developed this internet <laughs> radio station that was initially going to be just for the Phoenix area. We were one of the first full-service internet radio stations, We meant, which meant that we have news, we have music, we have art and culture, we have sports programming. Uh, it's a, it has the complete spectrum of what a radio station should deliver. We weren't just focusing in one area. And our original... Um, Slogan, so to speak, was uh, talk, sing, connect. We wanted to talk to the community. We wanted to sing with the community. We wanted to connect with the community. But as we grew and as the Internet became more sophisticated, we began to realize that our reach was really expanding. So now we have another, one might say, logo grammar motto which is radio phoenix bringing the world to phoenix and phoenix to the world because now we have an overseas service now we have a, a national service a regional service and as well as the local service that we've always had at the core of our operation this is just one of several projects of the Arizona Community Media Foundation. We have maybe three or four different projects we're working on. Radio Phoenix is one of them. Okay. Okay, so um, let's talk about the training you provide. Sure. You're speaking about this training, and I love the idea of providing radio training for people so that they can actually get jobs in radio stations. So we're, it's a great idea, and I want to talk about concept to birth on a, this whole training people idea, you know, how do you train them so they can actually learn and then go off and get a job. I mean, people can go to college for this, of course, but how did you guys come up with this idea and then kind of take it and move it along and watch your, your idea just kind of materialize? And what exactly is the training that you do? Well, we got the idea because we wanted to be community-based. And as we, as we looked around and talked to people about the FM station, we began to realize there's just a lot of talent out there. There are a lot of people who are not 
well-educated, but they're very talented, and they're smart, but because of the way they were educated, the way they were brought up, the school system, whatever it is, they don't have the level of education that could allow them to go in immediately and get a job in broadcasting, but they have great voices, great ideas, good personalities. So we started to recruit people, and, and we're still doing it today. We send out flyers, we contact people, we say, interested in learning how to do radio. And we just have them come down. They're just people right off the street. Some of them have never done anything more than turn a radio on and off. Some of them have had extensive radio background and have retired and want to get back into it. There's a wide variety of people that come into the studio and we have an orientation that we go through and we assign people to different different training programs. We have a program for people who just want to do, uh, for example, data entry. Uh, they want to work from home, but they want to be, they want to learn the radio biz. There are people who want to uh, review records. They want to learn how to review records and music and decide what's good and what's playable and what we can junk and what we need to put in our library. And then we have the people who want to be radio hosts. Now, the way the radio host program, training program works, it's uh, 12 hours of direct training. It's uh, for two hours a week for six weeks. And then there's a more advanced program they can go into, which is hev more heavily on the production side, editing and production. But the basics they can learn in this 12-hour program I teach the um, the legal side of it, the FCC and uh, Digital uh, Millennium uh, Copyright Act side of it, what you can say on the air, what you can't say, all this other stuff you have to know for a radio broadcaster. And then they start with uh, what's in the studio. They go through everything that's in the studio, what the equipment is. Then they learn all about microphone placement, how to use the microphones, how to use the headphones, what the computer is telling you. Then we go into the the board, how do you use the board, how do you use the mixing equipment. Then we go into the automation system, the computerization system. Then we have a session on troublemaking. Uh, trouble, yeah, troublemaking. We're all troublemakers, <laughs> hopefully. I don't think you need um, to teach people how to do that at all. <laughs> well, some of them are a little shy. You know, we have to give them a little shot once in a while. Uh, and then we have them fill out something that uh, about what kind of a program they want to do. And then we have them do a couple of demos. And they are mentored through the demo production process by an experienced uh, host. Then they present the demos. And if the demos are uh, okay, then they're put on a particular show we use on Saturday mornings. They're, set, they're assigned that show for that day. It's an hour-long show. They have to put the whole show together, interview the guests, do the music, everything. And then when they finish that, if their program is approved, then they go through a couple of weeks where a mentor sits in with them while they either do the program live or pre-record it and stuff like that. 
And then from there they can go on, if they want to, to the more sophisticated production side because we just don't have enough good producers, uh, you know, people to edit and produce the programs. And eventually, if they stay with us and uh, and we keep pushing them, we give them reviews every, uh, I think, every half year. And we're, I always send out emails about new openings in the community radio area or other areas where they can find employment. And we've had a pretty good success rate uh, in getting people employment uh, in, in, the, uh, in the radio business. So we're pretty proud of that escalator that we have. And at the same time, we're developing a lot of very interesting programming through this training program. Has, um, has your organization, AZCM, AZCMF or Radio Phoenix, partnered with any particular groups in your area, nonprofits or any advocacy groups or any schools, churches, or any organizations like that? Have you done any partnerships? And if you have, what, what have those partnerships looked like? Well, let me give you an example of one partnership that we have that's actually pretty interesting. I was contacted about two years ago by a group here in Phoenix called Civitan Foundation, and this is a uh, it's a small nonprofit that provides a uh, social uh, rehabilitative and some job training for people with disabilities. And they contacted us and wanted to do something about they had had a small blog. They had had a blog, and their equipment broke. And he wanted to know if we could come and fix their equipment. So I got to talking to them, and I said, look, I have a better idea. Why don't we put Radio Civitan on the air? So we had two volunteers who's, who have been working with these disabled people for two years now. And about uh, four months ago, they started broadcasting. Um, it's every other week for 20 minutes. They broadcast uh, programs that they produce. They do the music beds. They write. They edit. They do everything. And there are one or two people you can pick out that say, oh, this, this one has a good voice, good control of the equipment. Maybe they could be employable in a, in a studio somewhere. And it's just given them such a tremendous uh, boost. As one kid told us, he said, you know, I'm in a wheelchair. I never thought I would amount to anything. Now I can go around. I tell people I'm a DJ. I have a show on the radio. And they're still continuing their blog, but it's really expanded. Plus, they've got this radio program now. And they call all their friends and the company uh, and the foundation advertises it. So... That's one connection that we've made that we're actually going out and training them for, if only for the fact that they're developing social skills and talking to each other and developing, you know, a little bit of uh, motor control and stuff like that. And for a few of them, maybe something could come out of that in an employment sort of a line. So that's one kind of a connection that we make right in our community. And we have several, we have a program called Feet on the Street, which has unfortunately not been very successful, uh, but we're still working on it. And this was a program, it was good for two years or so, 
where high school students would go out in their school district with uh, recorders, you know, their phones are pretty good recorders, and do news reports and come back and do a, uh, a news report. That didn't work out too well because the teachers didn't want to spend the time organizing it. It wasn't in the curriculum, and as you probably know, the teachers in Arizona are the lowest-paid teachers in the United States. And so, they, you know, they don't want to take on the extra work. But we did get the students organized to do voiceovers for our public service announcements, and they had no fear. They were so funny. I would fall out of my chair listening to what these kids were doing. They were great, and they still are. We still have some of this going on, this Feet on the Street program. So those are the kinds of connections that we make with different groups in the community. What are some, do you have any um, other plans for the future for either AZCMS or uh, Radio Phoenix? Well, we would like to get an FM station on the air uh, but unfortunately, there are, I don't know if you followed this at all, but there have been, there's been such a massive giveaway by the FCC to religious broadcasters that it's almost impossible to find any open space now in a city like Phoenix for, for even a low-power FM station. I mean, it's just, it's, the airwaves are just completely crammed with uh, religious broadcasters. But that's what our ultimate goal would be, would be to try to get a, uh, a an LPFM station right in central Phoenix and uh, start doing more localized programming to cover this, the, uh, the, the Phoenix area itself. But our newest, uh, our newest uh, uh, programming is our, our overseas, uh, we call a global service, where we're going to start broadcasting uh, in foreign languages because, okay. because we're Internet, our peak listening hours overseas are between 2 and 4 in the morning in Phoenix. And we have listeners from all over the world, so we're discussing first doing underwriting in foreign languages and then maybe eventually developing foreign language broadcasting. Um, I want to back up to something you just said about um, a lot of funding now going to uh, stations that do religious broadcasting. Can you explain that a little bit more? Um, can you talk a little bit more about that? Well, it's not so much the funding, but in the frequency allocations and the contour allocations, uh, the FCC for a long time seems to have favored, uh, and I don't know whether it's just because the religious stations are more on top of all this stuff like Educational Media Foundation. You know, they have a huge staff. They have, what, a $15 million profit last year. Not bad for a nonprofit. Um, they, they are able to snatch up stations that are going off the air, they're able to take advantage of the uh, translator, the AM to FM translator conversions, they're able to take care, take advantage of the fact that college radio stations are going off the air 
and they buy up the college radio stations, and they Ooh. took big advantage of the low-power windows. And so there's just a lot of religious broadcasters, and they take up frequency and contour, and it's hard for independent community stations to fit in anywhere. Um, I just wanted for anybody who was listening, because I know someone's going to, someone was going to kind of raise an eyebrow at that. So I wanted anyone who was listening, who is someone who's not familiar with community media or community radio, and who wasn't up on that issue, because I wasn't familiar with that. So I kind of I raised an eyebrow, and I kind of wanted you to clarify that for me. So I know someone else was going to want clarification on that. Um, I didn't have any other questions or anything for you because I really wanted to try to get this interview done. Um, actually, I spoke to another um, community media person who said he doesn't do interviews, we do discussions. So I want to try to get away from using that word. So I want to keep this discussion um, really short because I know that when people listen to, listen to podcasts, they have a really short attention span. Um, so I want to keep this really short. I want to, I want to go ahead and wrap things up, but uh, can you please tell everyone where they can find more information about Radio Phoenix, please? All they need to do is go to radiophoenix.org. As we Radio. say, you can hear us on iPhones, iPads, and eyebrows, so turn on your eyebrows. All right, radiophoenix.org. R-G. And thanks again for joining me here on Belwar Radio. My name is Gina Stevens. You have been listening to Victor Arono. Oh, my God. Good Victor, enough. Good enough. Please. <laughs> Who is the project manager of AZCMS? a 501c3 nonprofit organization formed by concerned citizens who desire to provide access to independent educational community-focused broadcast media outlets serving Arizona. AZCMF exists to provide a voice for traditionally underrepresented groups and perspectives that are unavailable in mainstream media. Check out radiophoenix.org. Thanks again for joining me, and I apologize again to you guys for being horrible at uh, pronouncing people's names because I've done that several times here on the show. Thanks again. You guys have a good one. Bye. It's a pleasure. Good talking to you today. Bye-bye.